You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Yvette Jones. And welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the intellectual outcasts out there listening. As I got, uh, in a sense, a fill-in new co-host. She's a budding star on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We had her as a guest just recently as we were highlighting her book, Who Taught You How to Be Broke, just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we are doing a financial discussion show for long-time listeners. I know I usually bring Ashley in for this, but this queen is filling in and holding me down. David Jones, thank you, queen, once again for being black with us, as I like to say. And if you will, queen, say hello to the intellectual outcast out there listening before we introduce a returning special guest. If you will, give them a little bit of your background as it, ref, as, it, as it relates to these dollars, if you will. But thank you, Queen, for being with me this morning. Awesome. Hey, y'all. Hey. So I am David Jones, and I am a 20-year veteran in the financial services industry, serving as everything between office manager, operations manager, as well as marketing coordinator and financial financial advisor series 6 and 63 registered so i'm also in love 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 with cash value life insurance and i run my own practice now life vision solutions serving clients in over 30 states across the country no love it our next guest doesn't need really need an introduction if you are a long time listener but if you are new to the mental dialogue talk show michael sutler the second He's a commodities trading advisor, is all I'll say, and I'll let him give more of his background because he's been in this game of uh, the markets, if you will, for years. If, if you're a first-time listener, we'll let the cat out the bag on the discussion question here in a second. But if you will, Michael, thanks again for being with us, King. If you will, say hello to David, my co-host, sitting in that seat today holding us down, you know, as our, as our, as our resident queen to keep you and me in line. You know, we got to keep one of them on the show to make sure we, we, we don't go too far off the tracks with, if you will, King, but thanks for being with us again. 
Yvette, it's a pleasure meeting you. And um, to everybody else, the Intellectual Outcast, it's good to be back again. And, of course, Mondoy, you know what it is. So, um, yeah, I'm back. Uh, you know, this hits very close to what's home court for me because I've been a currency trader. Uh, that was the first my first introduction to the markets, not as a scammer or any one of these mm-hmm. multi-level marketing things, but actually trading in the spot currency markets as a retail trader first and then uh, in 2010 getting my licenses uh, to trade professionally. Uh, but, you know, getting a license doesn't necessarily mean that you're good. And, you know, there are some really good retail traders. So I've been trading now for 18 years in currencies, but I've also gone into futures and commodities, other derivatives like options and forwards, and also some securities like stocks and bonds as well, crypto. I, if it moves, I pretty much trade it. And um, from that, I basically, you know, I went from being an engineer working for the Department of Defense to now being an investment manager and trading advisor. Um, and I'll, I guess recent, more recently than that, I just started Blacks Academy, which is an online education tool. You know, everybody has their online education, but ours is uh, seemingly a lot different than what's out on, online because we're teaching our students how to gain a more masterful mindset into going to the markets instead of just learning what to do. You're learning the why and the higher-level principles. So that's pretty much me. And, you know, again, I've been <laughs> – I got a lot of uh, DMs and things about the topic that we're going to talk about today, so that's why I'm here. No, I love it. You are, again, the person I go to, again, just for anybody out there listening, These both of these experts, if you will, do this for a living. So you can call in, you can press one and ask your questions this morning. Um, as we discussed this morning's discussion question, if you are a first-time listener, again, I, my name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I like to take the Socratic method to any discussion that or dialogue that we choose to have, which is try to ask the right questions to see if we can get to the answers. As I always say, the, the answer is often in the middle, so um, I won't be surprised with both of these experts, if you will, being in different areas. There may be times where they differ. We welcome that. If you differ with anything we say, please call in and give us your thought. If you agree, that's fine as well, please. Either way, the idea is that we have these discussions in an open dialogue and discuss both ends of it. We're not selling you anything. We want to have an open dialogue. And uh, this is a one that I actually want to say I appreciate actually the listeners because I always say I have the smartest audience in all of radio. And I sent out a survey of what, 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 what y'all want to discuss this week. I don't always do that. And they chose this topic, which is U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? This morning's discussion question, U.S. dollar future looks weak on the worldwide economic scales. How can we prepare? And then particularly for a show that's unapologetically black, I would love to give our community a jump start if there is an opportunity to prepare for what seems to be looming ahead, which is the American dollar losing its, in a sense, strength worldwide. I don't think that's nothing new. We've been hearing it for years, if you will, but there's been some evident changes uh, worldwide amongst different countries to include Russia, China, Brazil, and others who uh, are no longer planning to rely on the U.S. dollar in their international trade. So that's a little bit of setup I will give. But before we get, in a sense, Michael to give us a baseline, we're going to start this show like we always started. Um, David, again, thank you for filling in kind of last-minute notice, so I can't thank you enough. I also would like to highlight briefly, this is the queen that helped me finalize 
getting my book uploaded, which I was having trouble for over a month to do. And so for those who listened to the re-education of the Negro show that we did, um, I want to thank this queen personally online in front of everyone. But if you will, queen, with your background, um, we also we always start the show a certain way. And because you've been a guest on the show, I think you can handle this. It's simply when you heard the question worded, the way that you heard it, what was just your initial thought? We'll get your second and third thought after the break. But what was your initial thought when you heard the question, U.S. dollar's future looks weak, how can we prepare? What first popped in your head, Queen? Stop spending money. That was my first thought. Stop spending money. People are ne- unnecessarily spending money on any and everything. We're taking trips. We're traveling. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Stop spending money. If you think the dollar's about to be weak, why would you keep spending a weak asset? Fair enough. That's your first stop. All right, I'll turn it over to you, Michael. Um, once again, um, that same question. When you first heard it worded that particular way, you said you got some DMs on it. But before we get into the deeper stuff, what was just your initial, how can we prepare? Well, my first thought was, man, we're here again. Like, I've been in the markets long enough to where I see the cyclical nature of even the news and what's supposed to, you know, rattle us or things of that nature. But, you know, Along with, like she said, stop spending money, I would actually add to that, you know, save as a very explicit thing. But also, it's time for especially our listeners, our community to sort of broaden their mindset and look at the world at large because there are some pretty seismic shifts going on. So my thing is to broaden out your horizon. That's how you really prepare. I love it. I love it. That's perfect timing. We're up against the break. We'll be right back, and we'll continue with this morning's discussion. U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? We'll be right back. Where all I ask is that you think. Do you simply want your taxes done this tax season, or do you prefer to have your taxes completed by a professional on top of current and constantly changing tax codes? If so, look no further than S. Kinds Accounting and Tax Services. For each year, plenty of satisfied customers from around the country return for an efficient and professional tax experience. For small businesses, S. Kinds Accounting and Tax not only provides bookkeeping and accounting on a monthly, quarterly, and or yearly basis, but S. Kinds Accounting and Tax goes above and beyond to provide yearly tax strategies to increase the bottom line, profits. While no one likes when Uncle Sam or the IRS comes knocking, know you're in good hands with S-Kinds Accounting and Tax. Call them today at 770-947-3667. Again, that's 770-947-3667. Or email them at advice at thetaxcoach.com. We're putting an announce this week that Russia will begin using the Chinese yuan Uh, for international payments instead of the dollar. Saudi Arabia is also in talks with Beijing to do the same thing. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, meanwhile, they're in talks uh, with Iran as well to consider an economic alliance with China and Russia. And they can even be joining the BRIC countries, which is an acronym for these countries here, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. These countries all have emerging economies. So... What happens if our economy and the U.S. dollar are no longer the world's dominant currency? 
former assistant treasury secretary and host of the Monica Crowley podcast. Monica Crowley, what happens if these emerging economies move away from the U.S. dollar towards the Chinese yuan? It's really hard to overstate exactly how catastrophic the abandonment of the U.S. dollar would be. Uh, as the world's uh, global reserve currency. Look, since the end of World War II, the dollar has been the safe place to go, and it's been backed up by a couple of things. It originally was backed up by gold, but President Nixon took, took us off the gold standard, so there's no hard asset backing up the dollar anymore for the last 50 years. But also it's been backed up by the strength and economic power of the United States and the fact that oil has always been traded in dollars. If that were to end, that would mean the end of the U.S. dollar. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Vivette Jones. This morning's discussion question, U.S. Dollar futures look, U.S. dollar's future looks weak. How can we prepare? Special guest, Michael Sutler, commodity trading advisor from SE Capital. As we hear the news media's version of what's happening with the potentially what's happening with the u.s dollar i heard you chuckling a little bit michael again um you say we're back here as usual a place that you're pretty much used to but if i listen to the news media we know there's always going to be hype we hear the words catastrophic and i hear you laughing so i know uh for those people like yourself who play in the market regular this is probably no place of fear but for those of us who only hear it through the news who may not know and i also recall you you wanted to make a point to kind of walk us through what this looked like. So, yeah, let's get that foundation before we get deeper into um, this discussion. So we'll start yeah, start there, Michael. Thanks again for being with us. Well, no, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity. But, you know, first off, the fear-mongering in that sort of news channel, you know, it catches your attention, and that seems to be what news is today. It's the sensationalism. Uh, it has some type of, you know, emotionally capturing component to it, but when you look at the actual what is, she missed one of the most important things about why the dollar is strong or why the dollar is important, and she just, like, glossed straight over it, and I was waiting. I mean, she hit, like, oh, the dollar became the world's premier reserve currency after World War II. I'll give you a hint. We're after World War II is a critical, and I'm talking about absolute critical point as to why that happened. You have to look at the events of what happened at the end of World War II. I'll just put a period there. Next, she goes, oh, we went from the gold standard because gold standard to me is a dog whistle now for people who want to go back to the old ways. You know, that's, that's still make America great again talk to me because the Bretton Woods, you can take Nixon out of it. The industrial world was changing into this modern age of where credit is king. Well, not necessarily king, but credit has become very mighty and important. And having a fixed standard for a currency versus what we have now as a fiat currency, and the dollar being the premier fiat currency, has ushered in the last 50 years of U.S. hegemony. The thing that she missed, and she said, oh, well, you know, it's because dollars are uh, – all is priced in dollars and the U.S. economic strength. No, she missed it. The United States military might, the defense budget, over 700 
what billion dollars that we spend every year, which is more than the next 10 countries, if not more combined, the one thing, which is why it was so important after World War II, we won by hook and crook and lots of strategy to submit ourselves as the world's hegemonic power. That was intentional. They missed it on purpose. Makes sense. Do they have any thoughts uh, to that cut or anything that Michael had to say? No, Michael, you were right on point about the military. And even thinking about everything after World War II, there was, we went into the Great Depression prior to going into World War II. So there were already, we were already on the gold standard when we went through the Depression and we started going through kind of a, a dollar crashing at that point, the bank runs, you know, right. all the other sound bites and things that they use, they say it, fear-mocking. I mean, um, Roosevelt, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So being, they were using that even at that time, and that's what makes people take action. So they love that. That gets their numbers up. It makes them go viral. But the reality of it is there were so many different strategies that was put in place under that Roosevelt era coming out of the Depression and out of World War II that actually positioned us, especially the baby boomers, to be in the financial position that they are now, even though it looked bad at the time, it took them into one of the best financial economies Absolutely. that this country has ever known. Ever seen. He's right. Absolutely right. So, again, the baseline here is that the information, and you find this a lot. You know, I, I get it, you know, select people online or, you know, when I hear it, I try myself my best not to give out what I call half-truth. Because a lot of what she said, like I said, if she was on a multiple-choice test and they said pick all of the answers that were correct, she got like four out of five. But the one that she missed is the one that, you know, when we talk about, oh, what's wrong with the dollar or something, the dual mandate of economic and – I, and I said hegemony. I'm going to bring it down. This goes into what we might have also heard of as globalization. What is globalization? It's simply a country being able to exert its influence through economic means, through trade, across the world. It's why when you refer to a company like Boeing or even Microsoft, any of the big names, just start shooting at names. Even though they're domiciled or they're headquartered here in the United States, their reach is global. Nike, mm -hmm. just pick them. The way they transact their business goes across the entire globe. And that business, for the most part, is conducted in U.S. dollars. Just like most business, if there is a common language to business, it is English. Now, of course, English is a carryover from the United Kingdom, which, of course, right. we were once you know, a colony. But we usurped that, and we became number one. The other thing I would like to tell everybody here that we have to understand is being number one is hard. We see it in sports. I don't know if y'all would have watched, but uh, you know, I kind of watched in agony as uh, I was South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina mm -hmm. was down. I, I didn't I, know I where you were going. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard being number one. Super hard being number one. If you're talking about a global world dominant scale, it's only not hard, but it's cruel and it's ugly. So if we really want to talk about, you know, the United States in parallel to China, which you know people have all sorts of things to say about that. Understand that what we're seeing now is a shift in the challenge to world hegemony. The United States, after 1989, after the fall of Russia, and that was economic because, again, we fought them on 
unequal terms militaristically, but economically we got them. But the United States, almost like a sword and shield, is able to use its economy to leverage on some opponents and some allies. Mm-hmm. But it's all we're also the big stick in the background are the men and women that choose to serve and all the wonderful weapons that we have. That has been since we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We've always stunned with sheer force in that regard. The places that we go in the world to do trade, to do you know, to, to bring democracy, that is really the United States cementing its global economic footprint so that we can conduct business on our terms. What we're seeing now is China on a long-term, which I'll get into in a second, a long-term mission to try to supplant that right. and shift from the West, the world, because, again, we're a very young country. China is very, very old in terms of uh, civilizations. Right. The power used to be in the East. They know that. They're trying to shift it back. Right. So very normal process to knock down number one. Um, and I think what I hear you saying, if I, I mean, I may, I'm assuming a little bit here, but what I hear you saying that even in the event that we were to be usurped on some levels, again, you know, who's number one, a lot of measurements for that when it comes to power country or whatever, but we are quote unquote the long superpower since the fall of Russia, at least that's the language that is used here in this country. Um, but in the event that they, 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 that this this group, you know, what China's trying to do to usurp us and bring together the Eastern Bloc, I'll just throw that word out there. But even in that being done, I think I hear you saying that in the event that we were to fall to second or third, we're still second or third, don't get over alarmed by what you hear in the media and language. And what I heard the vet say, which I thought was amazing, was her highlighting what the language probably was like after the Great Depression, and how and that group probably heard a bunch of fear mongering as well. But we made the type of steps to be financially sound, and I hope that some of what we can get into today is just steps that can be taken, um, you know, in regards to what the future looks like without that fear. Because that's what I think I hear from both of you saying: Hey, we can move through no matter what the how the media is hyping things. We can move through these situations smartly. Yeah, we want to be aware of what the country's doing so that we can make you know, in a sense, our own smart moves, if you will. Uh, but again, that's just kind of what I've gathered, um, if you will, from both of you. And I'll kind of bring it home just for this note, not to spend too much time on this, but when this fear mongering happens within the media, also we are in the age now of social media where we know we will get individuals using those buzzwords. The dollar is weak now. Go to gold, go to silver. So you're going to see people who will take advantage of others fear, not just the media itself, but individuals who will start saying, hey, the dollar is weak. And that's partly why I wanted to do this show, Michael. If you recall, when I reached out to you, it was the idea of let's give people, um, let's settle people with the right information so that people can't mislead them with fear, whether it's the media or a quote unquote, a scammer, like the term you used a little earlier, can take advantage of this moment. So yeah, if you will kind of jump on that and I want to hear um, the vet start. We got about three minutes before break. So if y'all can kind of just give some quick thoughts on we're doing this show to protect our community. Cause again, cause we are about our community as high levels this show may go. So who first? Yvette, you going first? Yeah, yeah, you're good. yeah, jump in, Michael. I'm going to let her close out. Yeah. go to the okay. next break. Yeah. Oh, you know, you hit it dead on the head, like my interest in the show, you know, because, again, I get DMs on this all the time. You know, I, somebody's going to send me a, a, some type of clip that they saw on TikTok. But even under your 
you know, one of the messages that you left on Facebook, somebody said, buy gold and silver. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can do whatever you want to, but I will tell you that nobody that plays on the global scale other than sovereign countries, other than industrial companies, countries actually use gold and silver as a means of economic backing. Even now in this highly inflated environment where we've seen inflation jump up uh, to 40-year highs, right, you don't see the price of gold or silver going up, and there's a reason for it. And even as we're talking about the United States dollar going down, the dollar is up 30% from last year. So what actually is, and I'll give you a hint to how we can, as our community, help. As I said about these multinational com- countries, companies, one of the ways we can actually look to help ourselves is to emulate in a different way what they're doing. And just think about it. We'll come back to that after the break, but emulate what these large companies do. Most people say, oh, I can't do that. You're just not thinking about it right. And this is where I think the vet comes in perfect based on what you do, Queen, as you as we navigate this and you are very aware you're navigating people sending out all kind of information about money that you hear all the time that I know probably just sounds like a, a fingernails on a chalkboard when it comes to this. And at times like this, you get more of it. So as you know, the fear mongering is going to rise. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts um, in reference to, again, protecting our community in particular, knowing that more people are going to take advantage of this type of fear mongering? Um, your thoughts, Queen? I want to say something, and we can get back to the thoughts because I know we got to go into a break. But the U.S. owns more gold than any other country. Yes. So, <laughs> and that's the part when we when we when we're out here teaching the people, we'd have to be able to speak power to truth. Well, the U.S. owns more gold. So, what if they take it away? Then they just say, "All right, we're going to turn back and make gold the standard." See, we still have the power. And like I said before about us not spending, we, like Michael was talking about, it's a global economy. If we in America, we stop spending because we are the most gluttonous country in the world. If we stop spending, then we're going to shift a little power. And that's where we have to – it's kind of like, you know, how every so often they do blackouts and say, oh, Friday, we're not going to mm-hmm. buy – you're not going to buy gas and you're not going to – yeah, yeah. So we got to remember, we got to know what our power is. We still have the biggest military. We still have the biggest gold reserve. We still have the biggest shoppers. Stop spending your money. Take your power back. Ain't that what a boycott is? Ain't that what the whole civil rights movement was all about? Mm-hmm. All right, go to your breakfast. So I'll eat my breakfast. <laughs> nah, it's all good, Queen. <laughs> uh, for all the callers out there, we definitely want to let y'all jump in. If you're a first-time caller, you do have to press 1 and we'll get you on with our experts. Um, you can give us your three cents or ask a question um, as we go into this another quick break. We'll be right back and listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Actually, let me let Brother Pianki jump in right before the break, see if I can get him in short quickly. I got actually a few more minutes. I didn't realize it. Brother Pianchi, that's you, right? I got. I see raising raising your hand on the. No, this, this is Will. 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 Oh, this is Will. Okay, I okay, got the number. I can look at the number wrong. Oh yeah, I got about a few minutes, brother, right before the break. I realized I was just looking <laughs> at the time wrong. So yeah, what you got for us? Can you jump in on the thing with us? Oh, well, I love this, the conversation. You guys know I'm all, I'm all about the uh, conversation. So I'm actually a little offended I didn't get invited to this one. But you know, ain't ain't no hard feelings, <laughs> Mister uh, Montoya Smith. 
I invited you. Look at your check. Look at your check. I only invited you for 15 minutes, but I mean, you know, what I, you know what I'm saying. I, I got a lot more than 15 minutes. Sorry, but, but 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 with that with that being said, with that being said, I love everything everybody is saying. But you know, perspective is, you know, I like that technology piece. Piece is huge, and so that's a big part of what's going on right now. It's understanding how how we're moving into this form of technology is is pushing a lot of these things that everybody is seeing to happen. So you can't leave that part out because it's a different level of control. And if you look at currency, currency is simply, I mean, currency is just what it is, it's paper, right? It's assumed value on paper. The idea is who controls that paper. And when we have different levels of control, right, the paper becomes less of a tool to control than even the technology that we're moving into. So a lot of what you guys are seeing, right, that's listening, is it's 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 always been about control. Who controls? Who's the who's the boss in terms of, you know, what happens or where we move or what we adopt? And technology is a big player, even at the level of currency. As a matter of fact, it's one of the last things, uh, and it's the platform. Like if you understand what currency is, it's the foundation of everything that we do, right? One of the universal commonalities that we have is currency. Right, we all get up in the morning. We all go to work for the same reasons: it's to make money so we can pay our bills and pay our expenses. So that's the basis. That's the foundation. And so when that starts to change, what you're going to see is these societal shifts and these paradigm changes that you see going on in today's, you know, media. Right. And so a lot of it is based on that technological advance, and that's part of this conversation also. No, absolutely. Um... I'm going to play a cut at the top of the hour, and that's definitely if you're able. I hope you're able to listen because I would love to get your insight um, back on the show once we kind of introduce that with the cut at the oh, top yeah, of the sure, hour. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. So I look forward to okay. having you come back on that. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Eh, a little bit here and there, but but my wife definitely loves her. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping gel or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try this sweet red first. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey, now try this Conjure Sippendale. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SippendaleWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? SippendaleWines.com? Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Look, th- there is a perfect storm happening right now, Will. The, the world's uh, reserve currency, being that, uh, having that status, has been a real privilege, but we've abused the privilege by wholly reckless monetary and fiscal policies over many years, certainly over the last couple of years, which has really devalued the dollar. On top of that now, you do have this perfect storm of Biden's weakness, his war on American domestic energy production, the Ukraine war, and as you point out, because of all of these things, we've got America's enemies led by China forming a new economic bloc. And all it would take at this point now, because we're at this pivotal moment, Will, is Mm -hmm. for Saudi Arabia, 
who has indicated that they're open to this, to say, you know what, we're going to be open to considering other currencies to trade in oil. If that were to happen, there would be a complete implosion of the global economic system, but certainly the American economic system. And if that were to happen, you'd be looking at sky-high inflation, just raging Weimar Republic kind of inflation. If you think inflation is bad now, just wait. But more importantly, we would lose our economic dominance and we would right. lose our superpower status. Uh, Monica, the world's reserve currency, you said it's a privilege for the United States for the dollar to have been the world's currency. What, how does that relate to each individual American? Welcome back. <laughs> you can't even help yourself out, Michael. That's funny. Welcome yeah, back. Sorry. To you. <laughs> no, you're good, brother. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host David Jones. This morning's discussion question, U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? Um, if I listen to that media cut, our special guest is Michael Sutler, commodities trading advisor from SC Capital. If I listen to that cut, man, it sounds it's the end of our superpowers, which I think you and that have um, definitely let go of all that conversation that fear mongering that's again just being added to but again want to play the cut because if you don't know any better it could be the end of the u.s as a superpower which again i find laughable strictly off of what you just told me michael and i and it, you know right. having you know we both we're both former military members you know i'll put that out there you know, yep. in the air force or whatever and but with that said, um, I, I've always known we spent more than, if you will, the next country. I didn't know it was the next 10 countries damn near combined. And so, as you said, yeah. that's really where the might comes from, regardless of where the dollar may rank. Um, yeah, superpower status is probably not going away no time soon, even if we were, quote, unquote, usurped economically. So, and again, thank you for settling that, if you will. But um, I'm going to actually go back to the vet. Um, she was um, kind of cut off before the break. So any thoughts, Queen, to what you just heard? Again, um, I, I think we've clearly got the fear mongering out of this conversation, but let's continue this dialogue, particularly to the individual American if the cut ended, because I don't know, and you know, maybe Michael can help us with this, maybe the hyperinflation based on, let's say, Saudi Arabia, if they will, were to do that, maybe it would add some hyperinflation. I don't know if that part could be real. And again, we can kind of ask Michael that. But your thoughts, Queen, for the individual uh, uh, American handling these, this upcoming news, if you will. I know you said stop spending, but if you could kind of start explaining that to the individual listening, I would definitely love to hear your thoughts, Queen. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, it was very similar to what we just went through in the pandemic. There was a we people ran out of money. We went through this huge hyperinflation period over the last three, especially over the last year. People didn't understand inflation before. They absolutely understood it in 2022 when mm -hmm. the egg prices just went up. I could only have one egg for breakfast because it was so expensive. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Being able to say we don't have to slow down on some of that spending and we can stack the money. Stacking the money and saving the money, very much like Michael said, if if God forbid. If there was a change, and you look numerically at where the dollar is actually positioned compared to some of these other countries, it's about a 30% difference. So with that being said, the dollar is not going to go to zero. It's going to reduce from a dollar to 70 cents. Well, we already seen that last year where the dollar went from a dollar to 90 cents. So mm -hmm. if we have more dollars, then we can still be able to say, even though kind of like inflation went very high, I still have more money that I can spend if the situation were to happen where – 
the dollar was devalued because we can need to quit saying that it's going to crash and go to zero. It's going to truly be devalued. It's going to reduce, and that's very mm-hmm. similar to what we just experienced in inflation. Our, mm-hmm. our dollar did not have as much power. So when your right. dollar doesn't have as much power, you need more dollars. So stacking, saving, putting that money aside is going to be very important. Now, the other thing that I always talk about is exactly money that you would be able to use in the next 12 months. Well, we, like Michael said, we've been hearing about this for years and years and years and years. It's like the straw man theory. Everybody keeps coming back and telling me that you can get all this money off your Social Security number off of the stock exchange. When? Where? Because some of these conversations we just keep having and rehashing because we felt like we've learned something or we've grown in um, our financial literacy. Happy Financial Literacy Month. April is Financial Literacy Month. But being able to say, all right, now that I know this piece of information, I'm going to use it kind of like we do almost with religion. We just kind of start beating people over the head with it until somebody falls in love and in line with our thoughts and our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that goes back to the fear-mongering. That goes back to this mindset. Even the gentleman was talking about technology. Technology is great, and you're right. It absolutely is going to be the thing that's taking us to another a global level. But when we even think about the CBDC, they ain't nothing but cash app. It's literally nothing but cash app. It's still going to be worth a single dollar. It's going to be on everybody's phone. It's a piece of technology. So many people were against cash app originally, but there are people who were in the States sending money all the way over to Africa to help their family and friends, and it became a source of income. It became a source of resources for them that actually saved. But you still got grown people today that are still scared of cash app. And even when you get cash app on your phone, then you got some people who come figure out how to scam you. It's no different than what we went through in the late 90s when it came with the Internet. Technology no. is going to hey, grow. Hey, hey, it's going hey, to develop. Hey, don't come on here huh? calling me out on my own show because I'm still scared of cash <laughs> out, girl. <laughs> I mean, I use it and stuff, but I ain't, I ain't stopped being scared yet. <laughs> <laughs> But but you see that that same thing. It's like yeah, we've got one part. You got to embrace the technology so you can be able to move forward. The next side is like, oh no, I want to have gold. I want to have physical bars. I want to have actual coins so that way I can stay off of what do they call it off the grid. I want to get out of the matrix. I want to be able. So you, we of course, this country, we fickle minded anyway. <laughs> So it really depends on who you are as a person. Do you want to be part of the global economy, or do you want to say, hey, we want to go back to, I put up on my Facebook page the other day, I was like, "Um, some of y'all didn't hang out with your grandparents who went through the Great Depression, and it shows, because the people who are buying chicks now. They're buying, they're getting chicks so they can have their own eggs. They're starting to garden so they can, you know, start bartering. They're starting to figure out how they can be able to maintain if we went through a situation where technology is not going to be our friend. And some people, you know, AI is a big conversation, even politically. That everybody's talking about, oh, is AI going to take over? Are the machines going to, you know, I'm literally, at this very moment, there is an AI workshop that's going on in Zoom in my background right now. I am pulling double duty. But I say that to say <laughs> when, when we start talking about what the future of money and finance, you have to pick your side of the fence. You have to pick your lane and figure out if you want to be on the grid or if you want to be off the grid. And you're going to make your decisions based on that. Any money that's going to be in, if, this, if you feel like this is going to be happening in the next 12 months, then take your money out the, take the put your money under the mattress because that's about all you can do with it. You can buy gold. But people have been buying gold for five, eight years and yet, like Michael said, it's 
them any return. So Yeah, I love, I love what you're saying, Queen. Again, I, just, I love how you break it down, your passion for this. Uh, let me ask you one more quick question before I go to Michael. Um, so, again, stop spending money is kind of how you started the show, saying, hey, that's the first thought that came to my mind. Um, just a quick thought so I can get Michael's thoughts as well. But for someone who's listening who's saying, okay, well, with what I just experienced, like you said, just a year ago with with relatively hyperinflation for what we had seen, like you said, if you didn't know what inflation was or didn't understand it, you definitely understand it now. Um, but for someone who experienced even that period, they're going, how do I stop spending money when I barely could make it through that period? I'm talking about someone that might be in that position where the inflation actually hurt their day-to-day, where they had to, it, it moved situation. you know, people that are in that position where it actually moved how they moved daily or they had less money. So they might be listening to you like, what money to stop spending? What money to save? Like for anybody who says that, what's a quick thought on what does that look like for them? It's a mindset, it's a mindset shift. You have to shift your mindset to be able to say, do I really need Netflix and Hulu? I know we've always used this $5 cup of coffee mentality and saying, you know, $5 cup of coffee is not going to make or break my financial plan. It does. And, and Benjamin Franklin said it's like little holes in a ship. That's what sinks yep. the ship. That's where the water gets in. So being able to say those little things, me, I'm notorious, and you know this. I hate driving, but I don't spend no money on gas. So for me to be able to set up and say I can literally not leave my house for two or three days or not go, not spend when I go out, because every time you get in the car, not only do you burn gas, then you got to go to the corner store and you're out and you might as well go to McDonald's. And then, oh, by the way, I forgot I need to swap by here over at Home Depot so I can get X, Y, Z. And now you buy more. Like being able to change your mindset and say, you know what, sit down. You ain't got to go out. You do not have to be part of the global machine, and so many of us are so used to that because that's why I say keep up with the Joneses. But somebody else is over here eating, and they're doing this, and they're on a trip, and they're traveling. I have more more fun on my birthday in the last couple of days than most people do when they're out of the country. Like, it's really, you really got to change your mind. No, that makes sense. Let me jump over to Michael here for a second. And uh, what, it, what, it remind, what you're saying to it reminds me of just a little thought when we were doing this financial one-on-one class years ago here in Atlanta. And it's just a saying I've always heard, your, your, your income equals your needs and your wants. And you're just saying, hey, if you don't address those wants, then inflation is going to feel terrible to you in the event that hyperinflation were to come down. So that's what I want to ask you real quick, uh, Michael, before we get to our next break is it, of the fear mongering that we heard in that cut. It, for example, if Saudi Arabia were to start taking other cu- currency, is that even an actuality or was she fear mongering there that hyperinflation may return or even be higher than what we experienced in 2020? Is that a reality um, in, from, in your opinion based on what you understand about these markets? Not really. And there's okay. a re- lot of reasons to it, but I'll, I'll put y'all on the spot on this. So we, you know, I'm sure that's like from a Fox News or CNBC or something that because the first thing I heard, like you notice. The link that they're trying to make you implicitly make is that this is a Biden thing because they know how long Biden's been in office. Mm-hmm. They're going to focus on the near term. And this is not to say that, again, I'm not necessarily a Biden fan, uh, but it shows you the focus on the near term as all of this stuff has happened because of this single one narrative, because of this you know, this presidential administration. When you overlook the fact that we have in the United States been in a deflation environment since about 2000, the year 2000. So we have had 23 years, which is what, four presidents? 
Mm-hmm. We've had four presidents of, as they say, reckless government spending. That mm-hmm. part of that Absolutely. reckless government spending is also in, like I say, that military, the military industrial complex in which I have served and been a part of and cut some checks as well. Do not miss the entire picture. So the other part of that, too, that they love to put in there is oil. William will get to this, too, I'm sure, and I, I want to get to this as well. As much as we can facilitate, you know, talk about oil being the lifeblood of the industrial world, industrial machine, let me ask everybody a question. Where does the United States get most of its oil? And I'll put both of y'all on the spot to answer. Where, where do we get most of our oil? Um, I think it's I think it's Venezuela. If I I think is it Venezuela? No. Or maybe our own reserves. I know we've started using. I think we started. No, using we, don't, we don't. No, look, we, we don't. Yeah, we, we, we try to avoid using our own reserves. So my yeah, guess is we like the, like like the vets talking about. We we save our own, right? Yeah, we definitely. Save but our it's own. really close. When you're thinking about world trade, think about proximity. Think about geography. There's a reason why Russia, China, India, and South America, uh, South Africa, to some some extent. Why they're looking for trade partners? They're close. Who's close right. to us? Canada. Canada, exactly. Which is number number three in the world in terms of oil. Res- <clears throat> excuse me, oil reserves. Number three. Never hear about them. You never hear about it. Mm-hmm. The other one, but yeah, Mexico. the Keystone comes straight from there. <laughs> the Keystone pipeline that they refuse. Exactly. <laughs> so that nah, makes sense. When we talk about this fear monger, we miss out on the very basics of how this wonderfully frightening machine that we have as a country works. We're getting our oil cheaply from Canada and Mexico. Part of it is raw. It is cheap and will remain cheap no matter what is going on on the other side of the world. Because of the, For the proximity. Most part. Yeah, because of the yeah, proximity. Gonna, makes sense. Yeah, because of the proximity. I mean, just like in oil, like Kuwait and Iran and those places like that, if you go get oil there, it's it's very cheap because you're right there close to the source. You're right there at the spigot. Makes sense. Where the, and going back to technology, I know you're going into the break, but yeah. you know, that's why we got to push towards the uh, the EVs, the electric vehicles, because Thank even you. California, you can't even buy any more cars because they're trying to get us off the oil um, pacifier. Right. I was going to say another word. Right. Sorry. Now it makes sense. <laughs> now it makes sense. Now, I got now to your point. Let me jump in. Let me jump in, bro. Let me get to this break. I got Look. another PRC. But I'll, I'll get you out of the break, then we'll go to Brother PRC. So you can finish your thoughts okay. out of the break. We'll be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. Have you heard the adage that a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, meet Livy Blue Photography, a premier company specializing in capturing your family portraits and turning them into wall art that stands the test of time. One visit to their website, LivyBlue.com, and you will immediately be blown away by the experience as you peruse their gallery. The lead photographer, Jolivia Northern, is a published photographer with over 10 years of experience in capturing families, weddings, and school senior portraits. If you want a breathtaking photography experience, contact Livy Blue Photography at LivyBlue.com. That's L-I-B-I-B-L-U-E.com. Here I am winning the national championship, and three companies came in, Converse, Adidas, and Nike. Nike was just a year too old. Converse offered me the most money. So, you know, when you grow up broke, you you take the money. Phil Knight came in and said, hey, I can't offer you the same type of money, but I can offer you stock. 
<laughs> wasn't trying to hear that then. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to hear that then. I, I, and I didn't know nothing about it. And my family didn't come from money. Yeah. See, that's mm-hmm. one thing that hurt us sometimes. When you don't come from money, you, you don't, don't know. know. I didn't even know right. what stocks was at right. that time. So I passed on the stocks. Can you imagine Damn. 45 years? Oof. $5 billion that stock would have been worth today. Oof. But let me say this. When you don't know something, that's okay. It's when you know and then you make mistakes. I'm a person who live in the moment. And if something happened to me that wasn't good, I leave it in the past and yeah. I keep moving forward. That's who I am. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host David Jones. This morning's discussion question, U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? Our special guest is Commodities Trading Advisor Michael Sutler II. As we hear Magic Johnson on the Up in Smoke podcast, I played that cut. I'm not in particular focused on stocks, um, but I wanted to, again, I think we've kind of calm. The, the the waters, if you will, when it comes to fearing what, what may happen with the U.S. dollar. But again, keep in mind for anybody out there listening, you're going to see people using these words. Go to the silver and gold, not backed by the dollar. The dollar is weak. You're going to hear all this terminology, and we've quelled that. And so I use that cut to particularly, if you will, somewhat move us into the individual conversation. I thought it was a cool cut. Again, Magic Johnson, one of my favorite players. I'm a diehard Laker fan. We are on the verge of the national championship, and he's talking about after he won the championship in 79, uh, you know, with Michigan State having an opportunity to go for the money or the stock options, which he obviously regrets, if you will. But I played the cut for this particular reason, and Michael will kind of get back to you and get to Brother Pianchi as well. Um, but I played that particular cut because that's what's going to happen amongst the fear-mongering. You're going to have someone push fear with what's happening with the dollar. Then they're going to present an opportunity to you. And Magic highlights how he didn't know in that situation to go for stocks because he doesn't come for money. And so since that is uh, a, a, a theme that seems to, in a sense, we talk about it constantly within our community, I use that cut just to highlight the a couple of things, whatever you're going to do, and I think the vets kind of made this point, whatever your position is, understand it and learn that and go with it. And so I'm kind of highlighting, Magic was highlighting, I wish I understood our new stocks. And I'm using that cut to kind of say whatever you choose to do, it's the learning of it and understanding of it that should move you into it, not someone putting it in your face and say, here's a new shiny toy. Of, be scared of the dollar, come follow me. That happens so much. It's part of the reason you have Blacks Academy. So I wanted to kind of move into the individual and what they're going to face with this fear-mongering continuing, not only via the media, but on the Internet as well. Your thoughts, King? Well, number one, you know, we're coming into an election cycle again. It just seems like we just got out of one. But a lot of the short-term benefit for what you hear on TV is going to be to the benefit, you know, of one or two of one of two candidates, right? Red or blue, for the most part, is trying to vie for your attention so that your action is to keep them in power, right? Mm-hmm. So the next thing for the for the TikTok guru, for the Internet guru, the YouTube, whatever, you know, come follow me and, you know, we're going to get these Lambos and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, they're going to try to get you into some type of action. <clears throat> but the truth is 
you've already heard between the vet and myself, you've already heard an actionable plan. It sounds boring. It sounds like, oh, I can't do that or whatever. But she told you right off to stop spending money. Guess who's stopping spending money as inflation has gone higher? These same multinational companies that I've talked about, I said, and I said, emulate what they do. We're saying mm-hmm. – she and I are saying the same thing. The most successful entities on the planet are actually doing this in your face. They're not playing in your face, but they're doing it in your face. They're saying, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to cut our spending by doing what? We're cutting your jobs. One of the easiest Lay things off. to do is for them, uh, an employer to shed their books of employees that they don't see any benefit from. We're not going to produce any more products or, even better, adding the technology effort, we're going to become more efficient at doing so. Mm-hmm. We're going to add in AI. We're going to add in automation. We're going to get our costs down. We don't need you anymore. So it does behoove you to look at your own empire or your own company because I say running your household is a lot like running a company. You have your inputs, outputs, everything in between. If you can monitor those and cut where you need to be, $5 here, shouldn't be here, thing that you're not looking for, that's the very first start. The second thing, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, but it may be a little bit beyond scope, there is something of an opportunity, not necessarily a fear. China's looking to be number one. They've released, and I don't know if anybody's read it, a 100-year plan. They publicly announced it, and there is a very Sun Tzu art of war reason for announcing this to the world (laughs) is that they have a 100-year plan that they're going to become number one, and they've told everybody. This is just like you know, you find two prize fighters or two MMA fighters saying, oh, I'm going to knock him out in this round. I'm going to do this. China Mm -hmm. has actually said that. So instead of going, oh, Lord, what we going to do, follow the flow of money. One of the main things that they're trying to do is build an infrastructure path around all of Asia into Europe, linking resources, natural resources. Why? Because just like the vet talked about with EVs, just like I've talked about with technology. Williams came and talked about technology. The future of the world will be to those who can produce the new technologies to make this planet more efficient. We've already seen the damage, whether you deny it or not. These big countries are looking to hoard the last of the resources. That's why China is moving into Europe. China has already been fighting the West tooth and nail in Africa because Africa, the 20 of the 54 countries have more raw resources up for grabs than anywhere else on the planet. That's where the game plan is. You say, well, how does, how does this apply to me? Easy. There are financial products, stock, ETFs, you name it, that allow you to play into these things if you can read about them, saying, well, oh, well, there are these things called green metals, lithium, nickel, cadmium, aluminum that are going to be used to make the new future vehicles, transportation, all sorts of things, housing. There only exists the rare earth metals, some of them. They only exist in certain places on the planet. These companies know it. These countries know it. And there are investors like myself that build funds and say, hey, we're going to funnel our money and follow these pathways. Once you learn how to 
cut your expenses, save your money, this is how you put it to work. The vet said it. You don't have to be part of the global consumer economy, but I implore you to become part of the global economy that's, again, around these assets. I love it. Now, I love it. Let me get to Brother Pianchi here as well. Brother Pianchi, I don't know if you're in St. Louis this morning, but thanks for calling in. Um, you know, I, I know you're happy for me to have the vet return because I want to highlight that this brother said she's one of the best guests I ever had when we had her on the show for her book, uh, How Who Taught You How to Be Broke. So I wanted to highlight uh, the vet. This is the brother that gave you the, the props on the last show. But thank you, Brother Pianchi, for getting in. What you got for us, Keith? Oh, my friend. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, there's a lot of things being said here, re- very accurate. I would say this, there's a, not enough physical gold on the, in the world, either above the ground or below the ground, that could cover just the unfunded liabilities mm-hmm. that the United States have, which is probably over $140 trillion. <clears throat> and I have physical gold here that I mine for $252 an ounce and look at the difference in the price. But another point too, what you see here going on in the United States, the federal government is completely out of control and the only entities that can bring them back in control is the states themselves. States have the power to bring the, clip the wings of the federal government. Give you an example, federal government is not supposed to own land other than what's stipulated in the Constitution. One thing like forts, like uh, in the old series, F Troops, especially when they moved out west. But in recent, Joe Biden, this administration just uh, released uh, drilling and exploration rights in Alaska, and they opposed, the federal government opposed the, the reap $11 billion from it. Well, that $11 billion that should go to Alaska. The same thing in Louisiana and Texas. Any exploration and extraction that's going on in those states, even out in the international waters along either side of the border of those those states, actually they are a country, that should be going to the states themselves. So the states have to do what they need to do with Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, the real in the federal government. They're spending, their term limits, the over-regulations. And so why do you need to have a federal EPA and also a state EPA? It doesn't make sense. And that's just one thing. And I don't too much worry about China right now. China's got a long ways to go still. United States, we don't want to see United States lose its hegemony in the world. And you know, another thing that contributes to that is the education of your population. Uh, our kids, speaking about African Americans, we need to do, I think there should be a better effort to get more education in the areas that's in high demand, that pay high salary and high wages. You know, from earning those high salaries and high wages, then you start getting a inclination to do that business for yourself. I mean, you can't do it unless you've ever even dreamed about it. As far as Africa is concerned, one of the reasons why I'm Africa, we're not taking advantage of Africa. We don't have the skill to take advantage of Africa. we got the color of skin, 
but you don't have the skills. You got to be skillful in extraction and the things that Africa has to offer. But uh, there is signs that we're starting to get that way with the young people. Montoya, uh, you just got to continue to push. Absolutely, and yeah, yeah and again, we hope um, you know you calling in and for our listeners hearing some of what you're saying. You always give us. Um, you know, your three cents, Brother Pianchi, and I thank you for it, and hopefully some people can take advantage of what you're saying. But we are against the top of the break, but thank you so much for your call in. Uh, we'll be right back and keep this conversation going. I got Brother Will William out there. We'll get him on after this break as well as we move to some of the technology aspects, or not so much the technology, but just being aware of also what's happening with if you will, the global markets and what the future may look like. You will hear it in the cut after this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African-Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Uh, Monica, the world's reserve currency, you said it's a privilege for the United States for the dollar to have been the world's currency. What, how does that relate to each individual American? How has that changed or impacted or improved our lives throughout the last several decades? Yeah, I mean, it's given the United States incredible dominance um, in, in the world in terms of the economic system and in terms of trade. It's kept prices down. Mm. So whether it's energy prices, whether it's your food prices, the, the entire global economic system is reliant on the safe and secure dollar. But that is no longer true, again, because we've been printing money like crazy and devalued right. uh, the power of the dollar and the value of the dollar. But on top of 
of it now, again, oil is the critical linchpin of this. If Saudi Arabia decides to join with America's enemies here and start trading oil in different currencies, that is going to undermine the entire global right. economic system. And here at home, you know what it's going to mean for us? It's going to mean raging inflation, so much worse than anything we have ever experienced will. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they're setting it up so that they can then come to the rescue by introducing central bank digital currencies. Right. If they were to do that, and the United States already has a pilot program, that means the loss of your individual economic freedom, because the government will have total access and control of everything you buy and sell, and the ability to turn it off like wow. that. Ominous warning. I hear you. Saudi Arabia is the tipping point. Oil trading in dollars is the tipping point. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host David Jones. This morning's discussion question, U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? Our special guest is Michael Sutler. So we hear another cut uh, from that Fox News cut, breaking down all the fears that we've been hearing. Um, but they do introduce the concept of so that they, you know, I'm not a fan of the word mysterious day or whatever, but again, I know there can be some validity and might be some validity. Um, but Michael, when you hear that part, I'm going to bring William into this discussion as well, that part about, hey, here's the the, the rescue um, is getting control of those fun, funds through central banking, through digital currency. Again, all these terms that we've been familiar with and people, you know, warm on it one second and cold on it the next second based on what's happening with social media. But quite often we are missing the ultimate plays and the things that the government is doing when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to digital currency. That's the play that people are often unaware of because there's not a guru on the Internet saying, hey, here's what our government is doing. So your thoughts about that part of the cut, if you will, and then we'll bring William in as well, because, again, that's kind of an area that he loves to look into. Uh, go ahead, brother. Now, run that one against me again, because I, I see that cut in a couple of different ways. What specifically are we looking to to, to uh, focus the readers on? Because there, there's so much in that cut, actually. Right. That's fair. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and it's really, if we would, the latter part, we're getting, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the, from the beginning of it, I think it's just more of the fear mongering that we've been hearing. But right. that latter portion of where they say, hey, um, this hyperinflation is going to come about if these things take place. And he, they call it the, on the, the guy in the cut said, the ominous, war, the ominous warning. And that was particularly about central banking and digital currency saying, hey, the government already has the, the, this, this in place. And they're going to be the ones looking to save the day once these things, if they happen they're setting up to save the day. So focused on that digital part, again, I wanted to at least talk about that. And again, William can talk to it, obviously, um, being, you know, in that area as well. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts about that part of the cut. Although, um, you know, this part I will say is, is popular for my, my take on, the, you know, government's powers, and in particular where it comes to digital currencies, because, you know, my brethren out there that are in, you know, crypto space, I have never thought of, Bitcoin or any of the cryptocurrencies exist to either be a hold or value, you know, have to have any a hold of any value or actual currency. What I see it as being is an experiment that eventually some sovereign government, probably the number one or two that are in power, are going to usurp for themselves because at the end of the day, it does not make sense 
unless you truly believe in the folly of, um, you know, man, which, again, it has its measure, that a government that has such global reach, such global power, that could be us, that could be Russia, that could be China, is going to idly sit by and let digital currencies go and usurp their power. They're watching everything that happens. If you look at the banking failures back here um, just a couple of weeks ago in, in March, one of the things that you saw was the CFTC, a lot of the regulators, really bite down on banks that were servicing crypto assets. And that was a show of force because, like I said, at a larger level, the U.S. government is not is saying, I see all these developments happening. I'll be damned if I let my power slip while on my watch. So instead of, you know, hoarding and things of that nature, my, I still say that I think there will be digital currencies in the future. I think a lot of the risks that are taken by investors, speculators, such, the governments are watching this risk happen. They're going to get wait till the final product is and come grab it for their own. And from that stance, I don't think there's going to be a great upheaval unless – and granted, there's a lot of ticket that it could happen, you know, that the governments do fail, that, you know, our debt, which I will tell you, U.S. government as it stands right now does not matter no matter what the number is. I'll tell you why if we have time. But it doesn't matter until it does. Now, now the me, chance let, of it now is, is minuscule, you know. So. Right. Let me let me throw this in. But I gave you two pretty, now let me let me get this in. I'm gonna get William on as well. And so I'll and I'm pretty sure I'm just guessing based on how I know William. Here's a perspective that I, mean, I love what you just broke down from your perspective. Let me just kind of throw this out and then bring William into this. And so um, I think I'm at least understanding the infrastructure that the governments are putting in place. Because I do agree with you 100%. It's not even an idea of where the digital current usurps, in a sense, the government's power in itself. I don't think that's what what we're looking at. It's the infrastructure of how money yeah. moves. Yeah. And so yeah. that in the event that money becomes, if they start focusing more on moving money, and the governments are already starting to do this. Venezuela, I think, has done this already. But they're starting to move, man, move money in that way. And so here's why I bring William in. I think his thought is more on if that's how money moves and it's not centralized or, again, the governments are going to jump in and put their regulation. You know, obviously the wild, wild west, why it's being done, but the governments are, as you just pointed out, they're going to kind of step in. So it's not just the idea of usurping their power, but the idea of once they get control of it in that way, it becomes less in our control because their infrastructure allows them to see everything is what I think is more of the angle. William, I'm just, I'm, I'm just coming in based on listening to you a lot, brother. Um, I'll let you clean me up. I just threw out what I think I understand from listening to you a lot of times talk about this stuff. But jump in, King. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I thank you guys, and I'm glad you guys are having this conversation. You know, you guys, you know, you know, I was just playing with you guys earlier too. You know, I love both of y'all. Of course, and uh, yeah, I know that. You know, you I know, know that. that. Of course, I, I, I love. This. We family love this on this show. <laughs> right, right. I love this conversation because this is what the, this is what people need to know and understand is that we are transitioning into this technological realm where how control has been utilized in the past isn't necessarily what it's going to look like uh, in the future, and it doesn't need to. If what you talked about, and this is kind of what you're leading into, Montoya, is, is, is the control is more in the infrastructure than it is the actual uh, vehicle that rides on it. Is that if that makes sense? So. With that being said, if you look at money, money is more of the vehicle, 
and uh, the control and the technology that now is established is more of the highway. And so when we talk about the informational highway, if you look at money, money is just it's just data, and you have the information highway, which is which is which is the technology. And if you can control the roads, it's kind of like I, I liken it to tolls, right? Toll roads, like toll roads. Who who owns the roads? The, the government owns the roads, right? And we own the vehicles that ride on the roads. And this is what we're transitioning into when it comes to money. They want to take money out of more of your control, and they want to control more of how the money moves. And so they don't necessarily have to control the money like they have in the industrialized age. And if you look at money, money is the last thing that's kind of moving into that uh, type of uh, format, right, information in terms of networks and, you know, the way we get our news. All of that stuff has already gone through that transition. It's already been consolidated. There's only a few companies that own most of the media. This is why when you look at, you know, when you look at news, you, no matter what station you're looking at, it's all pretty much the same because it all pretty much rides on the same infrastructure. So money is moving in that same way where it's like the idea is when we say they, they want to take more of that control. And when you talk about cash, cash is your control because you take it offline, right, and you're able to do what you want to with it. You have a lot of control on how your money is spent and what you do with your money. But if technology, right, can be integrated and implemented into that, then what happens is we don't need to control the money so much as we do the infrastructures that it moves on because we can see and control how it's used, and we can regulate that. And so when you look at, you know, when you're talking about Bitcoin and you're talking about Ethereum versus other utility uh, 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 coins or, or, or technicians, I mean, uh, uh, or te- technical data, that type of stuff, there's a difference in these, these, uh, these abilities, right? Bitcoin and, and um, Ethereum is more of a speculative. Uh, asset, yes. if you will, right? It's the yes. casino, and there's really no place for that in terms of utility. So people get caught up and they're a little confused on what that is versus what I refer to as like banker's coin, because those things are going to be used as utility to do exactly what I said. You need those, and they're, and they're different. It's a time of when they're needed. Like Bitcoin and Ethereum will be needed in the future. It will be, it'll be like apps, right? We, don't need, we didn't need apps, even though apps were already available. We had mm-hmm. to build the infrastructure before apps actually became a, a utility that can be used and have value in it, if that makes sense. Like, like if you made the app before you made the, the phone, right, then you're out of order, right? So when you look at things like Bitcoin, you look at Ethereum, you look at Monero, you look at a lot of these speculative assets, they're not ready yet because there is no infrastructure created to make them a utility that people would want to use. It's all speculation. So these guys are buying these things going, oh, I hope it goes up 135% tomorrow because I'm going to be rich. <laughs> that, isn't what, that, isn't, that isn't how, that isn't how yeah. sound investment works. So you have to understand timelines. You have to understand technology. Now, there are, there are monetary vehicles out there such as I'm a big fan of, and most people don't know, XLM, XRP. These things have utility for moving money, right? And so what we're in right now is that building of the utility and using the right utility vehicles that are going to uh, enhance that uh, uh, and and support that initiative because it is a money movement thing. They want money to move real time. There is no delay. There is no you get paid in two weeks. But, but what you did two weeks ago, you get paid today. That's the old industrialized, and money doesn't move fast enough for where they want to go at the moment. So what you're seeing is this build-out. This is where blockchain, this is where all this technology comes into play. And if they can control that aspect of money movement, that's all they need. And what they can do in terms of the money, this is what you see in the marketplace, they can what they call level the playing field. 
So when you talk about leveling the playing field, that's what you see in what's happening in the U.S. and the U.S. We have always been a little higher than everybody else. So when you look at these emerging markets, what you're going to see is you're going to see emerging markets moving up, and you're going to see markets that have uh, 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 historically been above kind of move down, right? It's not that the dollar is yeah. going to go away. By no means, means is the dollar going to go away. But what you're going to see is that level of playing field because it's a scalability play now. We have the technology where we can scale our ability to have people use our monetary system. So yeah, let me, let me throw this out because I'm about, I'm about to be able to get the break. Let me jump in real quick and just ask a very quick question because i got to go to break. Um, but and as an example, I think you've given on the show before, so I just want to share it because we've got to end this segment and kind of go in another direction as much as I would love to continue yeah. this part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll say this real quick. But yeah, I'll say this. When you say leveling of the yeah, playing field, I want people to understand it by by this one example that I think I've heard you say before. So as we hear these companies, these countries coming together, to your point, in the event that this infrastructure, which is already being built by a lot of these countries and they've already started doing right. it, if they, right. if, I, if, if let's say a country decides to assist our quote-unquote ally, ally Venezuela, which you don't have a great relationship with, but if a country says we want to exist, uh, assist you, and now there's this infrastructure digitally to immediately influx their economy, that's a relationship 100%. that challenges, 100%. again, levels the playing field. It challenges our relationship with our own ally because in the past, the old way, a country couldn't easily help Venezuela if they were on the other side of the world. But with this stuff in play, they could. So I think that's just a small example me, of what me. you're talking about. And it's a made-up example yes. by me, of course. Let me explain exactly how it works so you guys understand the underlying reason why. Okay, you got to make it quick for me. you got to make it quick for me. I'm okay, extend okay. the break just so, so you can so like, give if a, you listen to, a better if you listen to, than I gave. Yes, if you, if you, what it's doing is it's empowering their local digital currency, their own currency. So it's not that they're using USD, but we still have control of them, their ability to empower their own local fiat currency. So for them, it's empowering, even though they're using the technology that we own. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not like they're using USD, which is what emerging markets and countries have always hated because they had to use our dollar. In this case, mm-hmm. we have the technology where you can have instant what they call cross-border payments, which converts USD real-time to their local currency. That allows mm-hmm. them to be empowered and enabled in their own country. So it's uh, Kenya, right? Kenya can use the Kenyan fiat. And for them, their people, their leaders can say, look, we're using our own currency to build our right. own infrastructure with our own right. internal international bank. So even though it's being supported at the at the central bank yeah. level, right. does that make sense? Right. No, it makes sense. Yeah. I got a good break, brother. And I love that example. I think it gives a lot of clarity on leveling the playing field and how technology is going to come into play when we start talking about emerging markets. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. Thank you, William, for that explanation. We'll catch you up. Catch okay. you later, brother. Okay. Do you simply want your taxes done this tax season? Or do you prefer to have your taxes completed by a professional on top of current and constantly changing tax codes? If so, look no further than S. Kinds Accounting and Tax Services. But each year, plenty of satisfied customers from around the country return for an efficient and professional tax experience. For small businesses, S-Kinds Accounting and Tax not only provides bookkeeping and accounting on a monthly, quarterly, and or yearly basis, but S-Kinds Accounting and Tax goes above and beyond to provide yearly tax strategies to increase the bottom line, profits. 
While no one likes when Uncle Sam or the IRS comes knocking, know you're in good hands with S-Kind's accounting and tax. Call them today at 770-947-3667. Again, that's 770-947-3667. Or email them at advice at thetaxcoach.com. Everyone's path to retirement is different, but many retirees share common goals, like nest egg protection and income stability. Annuities are one of the only safe money products that can guarantee practical retirement solutions, such as protecting hard-earned dollars and generating income that cannot be outlived. So, how does an annuity work? An annuity is a contract between you and an insurance company purchased in a lump sum or through a series of premium payments much like how you insure other valuable assets in your life, like your car or your home. An annuity ensures that your retirement money is safe from volatility and that you will have a reliable income source when you need it. There are a variety of annuities available that you can discuss with your financial professional. The two most common categories of annuities are fixed and variable annuities. These categories have different methods of earning interest on the contract value. Variable annuities earn returns based on the performance of the investment portfolios. A return is not guaranteed and the contract value may go up or down. Only fixed annuities guarantee an interest that will never be less than zero even if the market goes down. There are two common designs for these type of annuities, fixed and fixed index annuities. A fixed annuity offers guaranteed growth at a fixed interest rate established when you purchase the annuity or declare it annually. A fixed index annuity offers additional interest growth opportunities determined by a formula that is based on the performance of an external index. Both fixed and fixed index annuities offer a guaranteed minimum interest rate and tax-deferred growth. That means your annual return will never go below zero due to index volatility and your money grows tax-deferred up to the day you decide to take an income. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, 20-year financial advisor veteran, David Jones. This morning's discussion question, U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? Our special guest is Michael Sutler, Chief Investment Officer for SC Capital. I wanted to get us off the global scale, if we will. Again, great explanation by William. Thank that brother for jumping in and kind of giving us the details of what, how technology, in a sense, will affect what we're, in a sense, discussing. But I wanted to get it down to the individual. How do we prepare? Um, at the end of the day, that's how we all look at our finances, right? How what's in it for me? Um, and so for individuals, hearing all of this hype all of this fear mongering or where should I put my money? Um, it, it comes down to individuals trying to figure out ultimately, typically, how do I have enough money in my own retirement? And some people would like to even leave a legacy for the next generation. And so the vet wanted to get into your area of expertise and just kind of, as you heard in that cut, highlighted the basics of annuities. And so since you're in that space, you've already said at the beginning of the show, stop spending your money. So for any of you people that you're advising or any people that are looking to come to you, again, this is an area that you specialize in, um, bring that discussion into the current times. High inflations, save your money, as you're saying. Where, where are you recommending to the people you deal with? 
how do they use some of these tools? Because, again, annuities don't fit necessarily everyone, but some people don't know anything about them. So if you could just kind of bring that into this discussion as well. Ah, with pleasure. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I love, love, love an annuity. So as they said, the annuities are run by life insurance companies. But I like to tell people that the annuities are those pension plans that your grandmama and them had. See, they got their first good jobs with benefits coming out of World War II. The baby boomers, they all had pensions. So they told us to go get a good job with benefits, and those were pensions. They were not 401Ks. See, the 401Ks require you to manage your money. That's what me and Michael do. But when you come to a pension and an annuity, then you have a professional entity who is managing your money. And the beautiful thing about that, and it said it in the break video that you used, it's guaranteed. And when you say that annuities aren't for everybody, then why does everybody who has a job pay in the Social Security? Because that's an annuity. When you get your first job, one of the things they make you do is take money out of your paycheck to go into the Social Security um, administration. So, one, you can pay for annuities for the people who came before you. But, two, you can be able to ensure that you had a guaranteed income stream for the rest of your life. Now, me personally, I set up annuities for individuals because they don't have those pensions through their jobs anymore. And even part of the Secure Act, um, the first Secure Act that came out in December of 2019, they said we're going to start making it where annuities are going back into people's retirement accounts, and 2.0 just doubled down on that because they understood that people were running out of money in retirement. And what most people want to do is say we want some guarantees on our money. We want to know that we're going to get a guaranteed rate of return. We're going to get, you know, bonuses. We're going to be able to guarantee that I don't even lose any more money. And for those things, there is a fee. There is a fee that comes along with it. Usually it's about a 1% fee. But the reality as it is, how much are you willing to pay in order to have financial security? So I do believe that everybody does need to have an annuity. I need, it needs to be a portion of your plan, not 100%. Right. If we talk about the three-legged stool in retirement. One is a pension and annuity. Two is your personal savings. And three are going to be your 401Ks and, 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 social, and excuse me, your uh, Social Security. So understanding that those factors are going to come into play in your long-term time horizon, your long-term time horizon. What I do love about them is they are backed by the insurance companies, which is a multi-trillion dollar corporation that is very secure. Even when we started talking about the run on banks, FDIC, what's the I stand for? Insurance. Insurance. Because that's going to help people to back their money and say, hey, we know that we've got what we would call retirement insurance. That's what the annuities really do for people. They create a sense of retirement insurance. It says once you get to a certain age, then you are insured to have this much money. The beautiful thing about that as well is annuities are long-term investments. You typically need to be over 59 and a half to be able to take those out. So that's why it's only for a portion of your money. It's for long-term. Right. You know, it's number four in my, in my seven accounts that I believe that every adult should have. But for me, I absolutely have taken a lot of people and helped them to position into annuities, a portion of their assets. I seen it in 2008 where I was working for a Fortune 500 company, and people were coming to us and saying, I've got a half million in my 401K. I'm losing money left and right. What should we do? We're going to take half of that, 250 and put it into the annuity so you can put a safety net under it. You can guarantee that you're not going to lose a portion of that money. And then the other one, you can leave it invested in your equities. The, the other 250000 leave that invested into the equities. The equities have a greater potential for return. However, the annuities, that is where you have wealth preservation. 
That's how you're able to keep your money from losing money. One of the things I talked about in my video the other day is I have a Roth IRA, and I have a Roth IRA that's an annuity, and I also have a Roth IRA that is in equities. So when my equities are doing well, I can be able to sell at a high point because, you know, we want to buy low, sell high, and take that high and move it over into my annuities to preserve it. I can still keep purchasing into my Roth IRA and the equity side, and I do. But it allows me to be able to have a strategy. Warren Buffett's rule number one is don't lose any money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. Warren Buffett (laughs) also runs a huge annuity company. So (laughs) when you're able to import the annuities as part of your financial plan, you're actually taking some of the – you're taking some of the – insecurity out of your financial plan and giving it to a company and they it is a contract it is absolutely a contract and with that contract then they are contractually obligated to give you the money that you signed up for so that really does help people to have some more financial security Um, and I've always said this before if anything were to happen with the markets and they the dollar devalue or you know anything like that these life insurance companies and the annuity companies they are going to follow along in that same premise. So if the currency changes, they're just going to change to the new currency. They're just going to essentially make it easier for you. What I love about that is if the dollar devalues, they're not going to devalue by 30%. Like I said earlier, they are still contractually obligated to give you that same dollar amount. I'll pay my 1% fee for that. The other thing we've got to take into consideration is when it comes down to the investment companies that they use inside of that, you're going to have global. You're going to have emerging markets. You're going to have all these different sectors that maybe the average person, the layperson, doesn't understand what me, Michael, and Will are talking about when we say all of these terminology, but they are the ones who are literally going in, doing the research. They're um, checking the P&Es. They are particularly going in and looking at these particular companies, and you're able to incorporate that inside of your portfolio, and you don't have to do the work. You literally are allowing them to be able to take all of that legwork out of the play for you, still be able to have emerging markets, still be able to have global, still have U.S. fundamentals, still be able to grow with the S&P 500. And depending on your annuity, you have some capped and you have some uncapped portfolios. So just the same way an uncapped portfolio as you have inside of the stock market, you are make unlimited growth, you can still have that inside of an annuity. And the one thing that I really love about them is that when you do capture those gains, they're yours. We always say, I say, never lose a penny, never lose a penny, because those gains are captured, and you can never see them go down. And that's something that the equity markets will not allow you to do. Most people lost somewhere of 20% in their 401K last year. It's a roller coaster ride. It goes up and down, up and down, up and down. But the annuity is like an escalator. If you get stuck on the escalator, it ain't going to go but one way, up. So being able to say, all right, when the markets do good, I'm making money. When the markets do bad, I stay the same. So then when it comes back to the markets growing again, you're growing from where you left off. When you look at equities, you'll say, okay, I had 100000 and it dropped down 25 or dropped down 50%. Well, that only takes me back down to 50000 But if it grows back 50% the next year, that brings me up to the 75000 You're still not flushed back to 100000 so, no, it makes sense. Let me jump in, Queen. You... Yep. Mm-hmm. Let me jump in because we got to go to break. We're going to continue this conversation because we're going to play another cut. Because, again, love your passion. Recapping that dialogue. I also want to play a cut that 
helps people understand the other side of annuities. Because again, um, I agree, and I agree with you. I actually said it wrong when I say it's not for everybody. I love how you corrected and said it's, it's a portion of of your bucket. And a lot of people don't understand that. So uh, we're definitely going to go to this break. going to play another cut that highlights the other end of annuities, and I will definitely let you speak to that as well because we always want to speak to both ends of any discussion that we have. So thank you for your thoughts. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, are you a wine drinker? Eh, a little bit here and there, but, but my wife definitely loves her. Why you ask? Man, you got to try this vegan wine by Sip and Share Wine. I ran across them at this event in Atlanta, and now I keep me a few bottles at the house. What, what flavor you like? Um, I mean, I like me a good red or, or maybe a nice dipping deal or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Try this sweet red first. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's nice and smooth right there. Yeah, that's kind of sweet like I like it. You know what I'm talking about? For sure. That's why I like that one as well. Hey, hey now try this Conjure Dippin' Dale. This one was featured in Forbes magazine as a top 10 drink for the summer. See what you think. Oh, okay. Now that's fire right there. Where can I get a bottle of that? Just go to SipAndShareWines.com. They'll ship it right to your door. They black on too. Oh, yeah? Okay, you said what? ShipAndShareWines.com, is that it? Yep. Dude, I don't know if you remember. Big case, this is years and years and years ago, is that a 401k, a person inherited a very close to seven-figure portfolio. It was right below it. It was like $800,000. Um, met at a their favorite bre- breakfast restaurant, an insurance agent okay. that put her into an equity index annuity, um, and I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, we were within the, the halo period of the state of Georgia has a, a look back buying mm-hmm. period. We were able to unwind it because, like I said, this was a 401k already tax deferred, you know, t- tax favored um, that. You know, she rolled into an IRA and then bought into this product. It, it was a bad deal, but the way it was pitched to her was that this thing's going to invest just like you did in in your deceased husband's 401k, where it's like a ratchet. It can always go up, but it can't go down. There's no negative. You can't lose money with this type of investment. And again, as investors who recognize fear and greed. What is better than an investment that only goes up and protects you when you go down? That sounds like the and absolute best thing possible. Tied to the market. I mean, you're telling me this thing's going to be tied to the S&P 500? Woo! How do get, get me in there. I want some of this. So, But you know when somebody guarantees or they protect you, there has to be a trade-off. This, exactly there's right. no free lunch. You know, there's a reason we tell you when you invest, don't invest anything in the financial markets that you can't be a long-term investor. Mm-hmm. Five to seven years is how long you have to be willing to let that money work. Well, guess what? Insurance companies know that rule as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why what they do is the way they can offer you these guarantees and these protections is they will control your behavior. Yep. They will put a surrender period on here that could last 10 years, mm-hmm. 12 years, 15, I mean, 15 I years. I mean, so let's kind of break into how these things and the limitations of an equity indexed annuity. Yeah, so the very first one, Brian, you just hit it. High surrender charges and cancellation fees. They control your behavior. They say, hey, sign on the dotted line, and you're going to get this great thing, but if you want your money in the next 7, 10, 12, 15 years, you cannot touch it or you got to pay the piper. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's a big catch. That's a big – if that can control your behavior. Think about if I could have a client come in and I say, look, you give me this – because we can't use the word guarantee. But I tell people, historically, 
if you can leave the, the, the investments alone for five to seven years, we'll make it through the downturns, but I can't guarantee it. These guys can guarantee it because they're locking you down yep. for, for 10 years. And right. there hasn't been a time that the market's been invested on a, like a 60-40 diversified portfolio. That There's not a decade that you really lose money. Exactly so that's right. how they can make promises like that. Live. Welcome back to the Mitchell Dialogue. Live, live, live. It's not live. It's not mm. live. It's not live. I, I know Boy, you don't make, I know where you live. Do not make me come to your house. Yeah, that is not <laughs> lies. That is not lies. If you're the, the market, even with its downturns, lost decades. For a lifetime. Google the lost decades. From 2000 to 2010, if you had $100,000 in the market in the year of January 1st of 2000, at the end of 2010, you had the same $100,000. Google it. Google it. That's not a loss. 60-40 portfolio. 60-40 portfolio. It's dead. It's a loss. It is dead. Yeah, but it's a loss. It's a loss of 10 years. It's a loss of inflation. Michael... I'm gonna let you get your shot. I'm gonna let you get at it. I gotta go to I let you have a whole ass segment. I'm gonna let Michael jump in. We're gonna bring you back in. So you get to say what you want to say. Just work with me here. I just gotta set it up. I'm doing this intentionally because we, we always do both sides of everything. So even what you just mentioned, it definitely a loss of inflation. So absolutely correct, uh Michael. And I don't I'm not definitely not trying to fight either one of you on finances. That's not my goal here. But I am just highlighting that that same 1,000 would be similar. I'm just saying would be similar to the way a guaranteed is pitched inside of annuity. I'm just kind of highlighting how, how, in a sense, it's similar. I'm not saying they're the same. You're, you're talking to someone who absolutely benefited from an equity index uh, you are, uh, in my lifetime. I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for one. And, again, I love how you said when I said it's not for everyone, I'm clear. I love how that you corrected me and said it's a portion. And so I wanted to highlight this example not so much to attack annuities, but I definitely wanted to highlight people not make the mistake that they were mentioning at the beginning of the cut, how somebody moves the wrong, uh, the wrong type of money into an index fund for all of its benefits. That's something that I know you wouldn't allow based on your professionalism, but anybody might fall well, that was for it. million dollars for the 401k to an annuity last week. What are you talking about? So, okay, so I'll highlight this. So I'm, I'm saying that your video, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm saying with your video, that's part of the fear-mongering. Here that second clip that you just did. Let me take my phone Please, Devet, let me go to Michael, and you're going to get to make your point. Please let me go to Michael. So here's how I understand it. I don't mind if y'all correct me because, again, this is just me sharing both sides of it. And so I didn't play this part of the cut, but they were highlighting the double tax portion of why they thought that was a huge mistake on on their their part to move it out of the 401k, her entire amount into that type of benefit when this, they called it a double tax. I don't know if it's correct, but Michael, I'll let you speak to that. And Vivette, you definitely don't get to make your point. I'm definitely going to give you that time. Go ahead, Michael. Well, what he was referring to was probably the surrender charges that can be associated with moving too early or somebody just moving, you know, uh, again, was from, from a Roth IRA to an annuity product or vice versa. Uh, what, you know, they missed, like I said, in the half-truth, what they really missed is the fact that, if, and I know this, this sounds so cliche, I, I, I hate even saying it, it's like, but 
everybody's financial situation is different. What you often find in situations where they highlight the errors in one is they'll cherry pick a certain situation, like they're saying one person who had almost a million dollars. That speaks to our, oh, man, that's a lot of money. But it doesn't speak to the context of where the actual error was, you know. And to be fair, I'll tell you, the vet only recently have warmed up to annuities as being viable products from my purview, but that's because of the changing dynamics of the markets, uh, the changing of the products that have been out there, and just the fact that, again, it's, there are a lot of people, different people in different situations. There is – we come to our advisors looking for, let's do just one thing. When in truth, when you look at how wealth is built, created, and sustained, to your point, you typically have to have a lot of different vehicles, a lot of different types of investments. My first error in hearing this person who had a 100% equity portfolio is the fact that there is a concentrated risk. Not It's going to be a different risk profile, but it's concentrated risk because all of their eggs or all of their money is in one type of financial product, which is, again, equity and stuff. I would have the same aversion if somebody brought all their money to me to say, hey, Mike, let's let's trade all of this stuff in commodities and all these other derivative products that you do. I don't, I don't do that. And the same thing with for somebody saying, oh, I'm going to put all of my retirement assets into an annuity, of, uh, an insurance product. We have this mindset of, like I said, it's all or nothing when, when we bring up like a Buffett or you bring up like these companies. Investment itself is so very nuanced that it is worth the fees. Like she's telling you, it's worth the fee to get with somebody who understands not only your situation, but also the breadth of products that they can put you in so that you're not in a situation where you get bad product placement, you either have investment risk, unknown risk, surrender fees and charges on top of the riders that can go along with the annuity products. But every financial product has a ton of things that you can see, and then they have a few things that you can't. So. No, nah, fair enough. I'm, I'm going to let you jump in. I just wanted to be fair to the cut. I definitely, obviously, only paid a portion. Um, but some of what you're saying, Michael, is absolutely, absolutely what they went into. And it was just, I think it was the idea of kind of what you just mentioned. They moved one asset in its entirety into another, which, again, both of you keep speaking to a portion based on what you want to do. The long-term money as um, the vet keeps highlighting, right? So that's where she uses annuities at their best. And I didn't play the cut to dig on annuities. It was just to have the complete dialogue to help people understand. To your point, Michael, don't let someone sell you on eggs in one or two baskets because the vet right. just highlighted it. She recommends seven different accounts, which we went through when we had her on the show. Uh, we won't do that today. But the vet jumped back in. I wasn't boo-hooing on annuities, if you will. I just wanted to have the other side of the dialogue because it has to be had. Go ahead, Queen. Sure, absolutely. So um, a couple of things that I want to bring back from that. Well, it's the surrender charges, which are declining. So most people don't understand how surrender charges work. So I'm looking here at my screen right now. The surrender charge in a 10-year product, the first year it is 8.5%. Then it goes to 8, then it goes to 7, then it goes to 6, then it goes to 5. It declines. It goes down every year. When we talk about your 401K, well, you already have a 20% penalty if you're under the age of 59 and a half. It never declines, plus whatever you owe in taxes. So everybody, of course, you may have a 10% penalty. You have your 20% that they take out with for taxes. 
And like Michael said, everybody's financial situation is different. So that does go into play is understanding what the surrender schedule means. And also with the surrender schedule, you're able to say, I'm usually able to take 10 to 20% of my money out of that account surrender-free. Well, I don't have to pay that penalty to be able to get some money out of the account. So if you have a need for liquidity, then you do have a space that allows you to tell you how much money you can get out of the plan every year without the surrender charge. All right? The other part that he mentioned about the 460-40 portfolio, and I don't know how old that video is. I mean, before you do that, take into consideration. Two years old. So two years ago, everybody still felt like the 60-40 portfolio was great because, Michael can tell you, the 40% usually represented fixed incomes or bonds. It wasn't until last year that the bonds took a 13% hit. See, stocks and bonds are what we call correlated assets. So usually when the stock market is up, then the bonds will be kind of down. They won't be making as much money. But the other correlation of that is when the stock market is down, you're still able to make some growth because of the bonds. Last year was the first year that both stocks and bonds were down at the same time, and that's why a lot of people lost so much money. So that's when they started really looking at it and saying, ooh, is the 60-40 portfolio dead? And even a lot of people started coming up and saying, hey, maybe some of that 40% that we had in bonds, we need to move that over into the fixed and the index annuity so we can have that protection level because we don't want to lose all of our money. The other thing that comes along with that is – Let me jump in quick. i got to go to my last break, so I'm I'm about to let you bring that on the back end of this break. I think Michael wanted to jump in and maybe ask a question or something. But let me do this last break, and we'll let you finish that thought. We'll be right back. You're listening to – Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard the adage that a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, meet Livy Blue Photography, a premier company specializing in capturing your family portraits and turning them into wall art that stands the test of time. One visit to their website, livyblue.com, and you will immediately be blown away by the experience as you peruse their gallery. The lead photographer, Jalivia Northern, is a published photographer with over 10 years of experience in capturing families, weddings, and school senior portraits. If you want a breathtaking photography experience, contact Livy Blue Photography at livyblue.com. That's L-I-B-I-B-L-U-E.com. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. I actually would like to ha- highlight that LNG Technologies is now a black level member, and they've been so for over a year now, one of our biggest supporters, long our longest sponsor. I wanted to highlight that about them. I was fortunate enough 
to meet with the owner of LNG Technologies just last night. He lives here in Georgia and deliver um, the Reeducation of the Negro, my book, out on Amazon.com, Reeducation of the Negro, Necessary Conversations on Race, Sex, and Culture. So I gave him that last night, as well as another one of our sponsors, my signature, Montoya Smith, Mental Dialogue, Black Level Wine by Sip and Share Wines. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly. Yes. My number, 404-604-9477, or if you follow us on social media, DM me so we can have you sponsor and advertise this to the smartest audience in all of radio. This morning's discussion question, U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare? Our special guest host is Devant Jones as well as Michael Sutler. Michael, I think you have maybe you want to jump in and make a quick thought or ask a question um, before Devant finishes her, um, I think, the next um, comment that she wanted to make in reference to this annuities conversation. And if you're just now tuning in, uh, the question is, how can we prepare? And at the end of the day, we know if we're trying to get a hold of our money, if you're not foolishly um, and not, if you're not being foolish and spending all your money, which if you're listening to both of our guests today, that's the last thing you want to be doing right now based on the current markets is spending and consuming with all of your money. If the idea is to get gather some money so that you can, one, enjoy retirement and possibly leave a legacy, then we're talking about how best to prepare. So, Michael, I don't know, again, I think I heard you make a comment or had a question or something, so if you can kind of jump in and then we'll get back to the best um, thoughts as well. Well, a couple things, and again, I'm so glad you actually, you know, brought out both sides of the annuity equation because it allowed one, you know, to kind of see the opposing view, but it also allowed the vet to kind of clean that up pretty good. So, you know, it allowed the reader to kind of get a breath. And, you know, one of the things, too, is that there are so many different types, and that's what I was getting into, even for mm-hmm. annuity. You can't think of an annuity as just being one thing. There are so many different types. You have your the normal, like the fixed income, the fixed annuities, you have deferred income annuities, you also have variable annuities, um, all different types. And so, again, I think for the readers, you say, what do we do? Start really, and I'm talking about really getting in contact with financial advisors, uh, oftentimes independent. I don't like cookie-cutter stuff because cookie-cutter stuff tend to be salesmen. Now, at the end of the day, we're business people. We're all selling you something. But there's a level of mastery. There's a level of care that you can have coming from somebody like like Devet. I can already tell, you know. And again, you've had Ashley Thomas on here as well. You've had a lot of, you know, financial uh, people on them on that I would say you could trust them to at least have a conversation. A lot of people are thrown away by, oh, it's going to cost me this, that, and the other. It's costing you not, you know, costing you a ton, yeah. thousands for some people, hundreds of thousands for other people. Don't do anything. If you make no action or you make the wrong action, it costs you money. You just don't see it. You don't know it until you get to the point and there's no rewind in life. You know, you're, you're, you're at 60, you're at 70 plus, and you need this money. You haven't made the moves at 30, 40, 50. You, it's a wrap, you know. And so I wanted to kind of highlight that, that the one thing like we're talking about with the U.S. and China and how the world dynamics are changing and how technology is coming a part of that, technology is itself, um, you know, I guess you can you can call it a, it's a deflationary tool, and I know that might sound like sound bad, but it's one that actually devalues a lot of things that may be costly or have barriers. In doing so, it also adds to the complexity of the world around you, and this is why, you know, the world for your parents, you know, your boomers or your beyond the great generation, whatever, the world looks completely insane. You know, except for like if you're, you know, like me, I'm a Gen X, late Gen X, millennial. 
you know, all, all into X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever the next generations are, they need people to talk to that can explain and help them develop a plan because it does not and will not look like what it did for prior generations. No, I love it. Let me get back to Devet. And, you know, you know, that's the work, Michael. That's why we have you. That's why we're willing to promote the Blacks Academy, because, again, you're not one fly by night. You've been doing it for a number of years. But I also know it's done with intentionality and care for our people. And so right. it's not a situation where, you know, for those who wanted to jump into trading and investing, for those who have that discretionary income, who who foundationally talked to a Devet first, got their foundation in place, and now have some extra money and want to learn how to play in the markets, then we recommend recommend Blacks Academy. Um, again, like you said, yeah, we're, you know, y'all are selling something, um, but it, to me, it's important that, um, you know, you are a mental dialogue member. It's important that I find people who are doing it sincerity and teaching first, teaching mindset yeah. first, not selling a product for just simply their own benefit. Again, we're not naive to the fact that you both make money off what you do, but I love both of you because of your honest passion and care for our people. Devet, if you will, please finish your thought. Thank you, Queen. Uh, sorry, sorry for the interruption, if you will, with the break um, or whatever, but I just heard Michael trying to jump in when you were talking. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Let me bring her back live. I, I, I'm sorry. One second, Queen. I got you. All right, you're live again, Queen. Sorry about that. Okay. Awesome. No, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to really teach people more about annuities because it has been kind of a four-letter word, a dirty word that we really didn't want to talk about because everybody is so big on the rate of return. And rate of return is great, but as you start getting to retirement age, people want the same thing they had when they were working, a paycheck, a guaranteed income stream. That's why, like the gentleman said earlier, that's why we get up and go to work every day is so we'll be able to have money that comes in. And the beautiful thing about the annuities is they allow you to be able to get that guaranteed income stream in retirement based on the amount of money that you put into it. So as I mentioned before, Social Security, people get a check for the rest of their lives. The annuities do the same thing. One of the things that we talk about in the financial securities world is once people get to retirement age, we have something else called the 4% rule. It says no matter what your portfolio is, if you have a million-dollar portfolio, you can only take out 4% per year in retirement to be able to supplement your income. Well, that 4% is only 40000 So you got a million dollars, but they're telling you you should only touch 40000 Well, the annuities can come back in and say maybe we can give you 50000 or 60000 They can give you a bigger rate of return or a bigger payout than what you would get in that 4% rule because you get, it is a long-term investment, because they did take that 10, 15 years to be able to invest the money, because they have other people who are coming in and paying into the annuity. That helps you to be able to have a little more financial security. You can be able to have cost of inflation increases built inside of your annuities. There are a lot of different factors that go into that. And what I do love about the annuities, unlike Social Security, is they can be passed on to your heirs. And when I say that Social Security stops at husband and wife, unless you have a minor child under the age of 17, nobody else gets that money. My mom died at 50. She didn't collect any of her Social Security, and I'll never touch it. My brother can never touch it. Even my father will never touch it because they were divorced. However, knowing that you can still pass that 
air on to your children and your grandchildren is really phenomenal. It makes sure that you're able to leave that legacy component on your money. Your money does not go back into the, you know, the Ponzi scheme pool that we call Social Security. So it's yeah, let me really jump in real quick. And, I love it. No, I love mm-hmm. I'm sorry, sorry. I just want to give a personal example of the very thing that you're talking about. Um, you know, as much as I bring on experts like yourself and um, Ashley Thomas, thank you, you know, for mentioning her. I do Making Money Matter Mondays with her every second Monday, which is where money and mental health meets. Um, but we've had endless conversations, and last last month's conversation was specifically about estate planning. Um, this brother by the name of William Hunter just, again, just being concerned that our community understands how to have an estate, how they how they're not that sixty or seventy year old that Michael just mentioned without enough income. Like you know, like say you don't make the moves now, you will feel it at that time when it can be difficult. And so, in preparing for estate planning, um, you know, I had my aunt pass um, last year, and some 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 portion of the estate, if you will, which is my grandmother's home, got um, put um, is going through probate. So I'm actually going through that arduous process and don't wish it on anybody, but we were highlighted to find in the process, we thought it was initially um, her home and she had some money in an account, but we did, we luckily found out during the process, it was in fact an annuity and it allowed that money to go directly to my mother, which is her sister versus it being spread out amongst a few heirs. We have a small family that, you know, to be frank, you know, wasn't even at her funeral, if you will. But that would have been the reality had we not, had she not fortunately, luckily, my aunt had set up that annuity. We just wasn't informed initially, and we didn't know it. So we were delighted to find what you just talked about, Devet, that my aunt had taken the time to designate a beneficiary on annuities that initially didn't appear to be at the bank. An annuity, and and again, I've, I think I've actually mentioned to you that that was part of the best part of going through this arduous progress was process was finding that we wasn't having to split the money up amongst. Uh, I'm not I'm not an heir, but I'm helping you know go through the process. So so I just wanted to highlight to your point that's something that was very valuable in our family. Um, you know, finish up your thought real quick, Queenie. Uh, we only got about three minutes, but I definitely want to let you finish your thought. Oh, no, I mean, you really did. It goes probate-free, and that's very advantageous because a lot of people can avoid paying that money back out to the states. It does have the beneficiaries on there. Um, they have the ability to still, most of the heirs will have the ability to still keep it as an income stream. So that's really a great vehicle to be able to have inside of your portfolio, and it's also tax-deferred. So when a lot of people are talking about going into brokerage accounts, non-qualified individual brokerage accounts, and they're getting 1099s on that money, even CDs will give you a 1099. Annuities do not. So you don't typically start paying taxes on that money until you start actually spending the money. Um, so those, there are a lot of different ways you can set up the annuities. There's a lot of different vehicles that we have, companies that we have that treat them differently, whether it's an immediate, whether it's a deferred, it's really a great vehicle to utilize in your financial plan, and I definitely welcome a conversation with anyone about it. I definitely recommend this queen for anybody that heard anything they were interested in. We've got a couple of minutes, Michael, so I'm going to give you as our special guest kind of a final thought on this morning's discussion question. U.S. dollar future looks weak. How can we prepare uh, it's been a wonderful dialogue, if you will, King. But any thoughts? And also definitely make sure for anybody looking to learn trading or investing, there are two different mindsets. 
Blacks Academy teaches it. So make sure you're highlighting the work you're doing there um, in this last minute and a half. But you have final thought for this morning. Thank you, King, for being with us um, uh, this morning. It's a pleasure, of course, always to be here, but also to hear the vet here. I love hearing her, would love to hear some more. One of the things to me that I hope that everybody takes away from this is to not take the headlines and things that you see at face value. Understand that there's an agent on the other side of that that has some sort of imperative or has something to sell you or to get you to take some action on that might not always be in your best interest. One of the things, though, that has worked for me uh, as kind of as having a, you know, learning about, like I said, I learned about the world of currencies first, which was kind of backwards, but it allowed me to see the world at large. I didn't come from an area where I could do that, but in seeing the world at large, you get to see these large moves. I would encourage all of our listeners to take note of things like we talked about. Number one, look at China's 100-year initiative. For any of you that have ever breathed the world word, generational wealth, the phrase generational wealth, if you're not thinking in 100 years, you're not actually thinking about generational wealth because generational wealth is not for the people that you see, your your parents or your children or even your children's children. You're building something, whatever that is, for people who have never seen and probably you won't live to see them. But in order to do so, you have to have a shift in your mindset because wealth itself is a behavioral change. Just like I love it. Countries let them know, and we have to end, brother, if you yeah. will. Let them know how yeah. they can follow you at Blacks or get involved in Blacks real quick. So I want to at least get that out before we close the show. It's, re- it's really simple. HTTP, get the slashes, Blacks, B-L-A-X-E, Academy. No dot com, just B-L-A-X-E dot Academy. You can also check us out on YouTube and Instagram at Blacks dot Academy. The vet, same thing for you. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, how do they do so? Uh, you can look me up at lifevisionsolutions.com, or you can find me on TikTok and Instagram as Miss Wide Money. Love it. Thank you all. Great show. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Thing just froze up. <laughs> there we go.